Daniel, so glad to, to be here with you today. Um, a couple months ago, my wife and I, Courtney, were, um, were watching this documentary on Netflix called Breaking Two. And essentially, it was an experiment, these three kind of elite runners to see if, if it was possible for someone to run a marathon in under two hours. And so up until this point, no one had ever done this before. It's impossible. And so, um, and so what, we were watching this video, and, and, and although there were three people that were featured on this film, you quickly realized that one of these guys was, was superior, like his training was superior. He had that kind of determination in his eyes that just kind of set him apart. And you started to realize that, that although there were three, there were really just one, one guy that you were watching. And so the, the, the movie progresses, and, and, and race day comes around. All the training had been documented, and race day shows up. And, and for 13, or for 26.2 miles, this guy runs um, between 13 and 14 miles an hour. And so to give you a little perspective, I encourage you to go to the Y today and to set the treadmill to 13 miles an hour and bring a friend with you to record you so that we can all laugh at you as, as you fall on your face trying to, to run. And so this guy runs for 26.2 miles. And, and the, the, the movie comes to a close and what you realize is that he doesn't make it. And it's so disappointing. You're like, wait, I just invested a couple hours to watching this thing and the guy doesn't even do it. And, and what you realize is that although the film ends, this guy's training doesn't. And it's really powerful because two and a half years later, this uh, Olympic, this champion, Eliud Kipchoge is his name. He trains for two and a half years in this past October, in October 2019. He's the first person to ever run a marathon in under two hours, running a marathon an hour, 59 minutes and 40 seconds. Just this amazing feat. And what's so amazing is, I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, where, where, where you have a, a dream in your heart, and you set this ambitious goal, and, and you set out to accomplish it, and, and all the frustrations and setbacks come your way, there's something about watching someone who pursues the dream in their heart and who overcomes and achieves it that just has this way of lighting something inside of you that resonates in the, in the human soul. Maybe you've, you can connect with this personally. Maybe um, you had this desire to, to go to college. Maybe no one in your family had ever gone to college, and so you put yourself through college. Or, or maybe for you, it was to become a musician. Probably it was for you to become a musician in Nashville, right? And, or, or maybe for you, it was to start a business or to, to start a family, and, 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 and you faced all these obstacles and frustrations, but there's something about people who are willing to push through to go after and to achieve the desire in their heart that is just victorious. It's triumphant, it's, it's glorious. And what I love about Jeremiah chapter 29 is this is a picture that we see of our God. Maybe you've read this before or maybe you haven't, but what I love is that, is that in this, that you, you see God in the same light, that God has this dream in his heart and there is nothing that is gonna stop God from getting what God desires. No frustration, no setback, no discouragement that our God is a God who overcomes and achieves. Give you a little context of what's going on in Jeremiah chapter 29 up until this point in, in, in the book. And so basically, I'll just say it like this. The people of God weren't interested in really being in relationship with the Lord. Like they weren't interested in being committed. They were kind of like so many of us, I mean, kind of one foot in, one foot out, serve God when it's convenient. And, 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 and what they realized is that they continued to, to turn to other things for comfort and for identity and for satisfaction. And the Lord looks at his people and says, hey, if that's what you want, then you can have it. You know, the people of God in Jeremiah chapter six, the Lord has this indictment against them. He says, my words are offensive to you. You don't delight in them. And so the Lord looks at his people and says, hey, if this is what you want, if you're not interested in relationship, then go and get what it is that you actually want. You can have it. In Jeremiah chapter 29, although it, there's some like really sadness in it, what is so beautiful is that there are some really great lessons that I think we learn in this chapter. 
you know, the, it's not exactly apples to apples, but the people in Jeremiah chapter 29, the Israelites, the, the people of God, man, they're, they're in this place of waiting. They're not where they want to be. And I go, isn't that true for us, that, that we're in this place of waiting, that none of us are in this season that we want to be, and none of us look around at our world and go, man, this is exactly what I wanted 2020 to look like, right? And so there are lessons for us to learn in the waiting. The first thing that I think we see in Jeremiah chapter 29, I know there are so many things that we could glean from it, but just for today, the first thing that I want us to think about is that the Lord doesn't give up on his plan. The Lord does not give up on his plan. So Jeremiah chapter 29, verses five and six, this is what the Lord says. It says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. And listen to this word, the last line of verse six. Increase in number there and do not decrease. You know, God's plan from the very beginning was for the nation of Israel to increase, to spread, to, to fill the world with his glory, to be a witness, to be an invitation to the rest of the nations that our God is the actual only God, our God is good and faithful, and God's plan from the very beginning was that the people of God would expand and fill the world with his image. And I love because the people of God decide to kind of take a detour. They're not interested in, in the Lord. And yet what you see in the Lord is that the Lord is still working towards his plan. And I love he shows up to his people and he says, although you're in waiting, it's not permission just to sit and to decrease. I love what the Lord says. He says, hey, I, I don't want you to wait till you get back into the land, back into the comfortable places, back into the places that you want to be, to live into the plan that I have for you to increase. And so the Lord looks at his people and says, while you're in the waiting, I want you to increase. I love this, he, the, the movement that God started he, he never meant for it to cease in, in moments of waiting. You know, so many of us, we find ourselves and we're like fair weather Christians that when, when everything is right, man, when we can gather with our house church and we can gather on Sundays and we have people around us, we're thriving. But the moment that anything gets taken away, we find ourselves withering. And the Lord, I think the invitation for us is to increase. Increase in the waiting and do not decrease. You know, I was thinking about what we see in our God is, is, is the strength of our God in the commitment of our God to see his plan through, no matter the resistance that he faces. And so he's, his problem is that his people are not willing to walk with him. And, and, and I want you to think about this in your life, how, how often and how easy it is whenever you face resistance or whenever something hard comes your way just to kind of throw the towel in and quit. Do you resonate with that? Like you set out to do something and it's harder than you thought and so you realize, oh, I'm not gonna do this, just throw the towel in and on it. You know, maybe for some of you, like you, you came to college and, and you, you were going to be pre-med, right? You're gonna be a doctor and then you took your first biology class, your first chemistry class and you're like calling mom and dad like, hey, I think I'm gonna shift gears, right? And, and the reality is because it's so hard, right? And, and it's not just you, it's me too. You know, a couple weeks ago, Courtney and I, my wife, we were working out. She had found this workout for us to do and she's like really coordinated, and I'm just not really coordinated. I wish I was more coordinated. And so there's all these things. I really didn't know what was going on. And she was thriving, and I just was like seven steps behind the whole time. And in the middle of it, I just quit. I'm like, I'm done with this. And, and she just looks at me. She's like, you're ridiculous. Like, come on. I'm like, no, I'm so frustrated. And, and you think about those moments, like when, when you set out to do something, and it doesn't go as you plan, how easy it is just to quit. And you look in Jeremiah chapter 29, and you go, man, God could have just given up on his people. They don't want nothing to do with him. And yet what you see in God is this commitment to his plans. And I want you to think about this. In, in this, this period of time that we're in, the past few months, have you found yourself decreasing? Have you found yourself pushing pause on the things of God? 
Or have you found yourself increasing and pushing through to, to get what God wants? You know, have you realized that, that in this season, so much of your spiritual health is tied to the circumstances surrounding you? That when you have other things put in place, other systems, man, you thrive, but when it's up to you, you just kind of wither? I remember when I was a freshman in college, I went to Honduras and got to, to be a part of what God was doing in Honduras for a week. And, and the guy that, that went with me, his name was Brennan. And I loved about Brennan is we get done from, from being out in the hot sun all day, being around people. And, and, and I get in the bed, I'm like going to sleep at night. He walks in the room and he immediately just starts doing push-ups. And then he flips over on his back and starts doing sit-ups and jumping jacks. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he looked at me and he's like, dude, if I want to be like, if I want to be in shape, I'm trying to take care of my heart. I just can't do it when, when I have air conditioning, when I have weights and when things are convenient. And I'm like, well, that's kind of my approach, right? And, 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 and what I realized is that, man, there was something about him that his development wasn't tied to circumstances. It was, it was a discipline. It was a choice. And I go, man, for, for you to think about this, have, have you hit pause on the things of God on increasing in the season? Like, do you look at, at where we were in March and you go, man, I was thriving in March and, and I'm just kind of walking through, just kind of drifting through right now. And, 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 and I want to just encourage two different groups of people. You know, some of you right now, you're being super cautious and careful. Uh, maybe it's because um, you're, it's, it's kind of dangerous for you personally to be out. Or maybe you live with someone that it's kind of dangerous if they're high risk. And so you're staying at home. And I want to encourage you, if you're spending time at home, hey, don't let that be an excuse to hit pause on growing in God, on increasing in God that God's plans for you is that you would grow in this season. You know, think about this. Are you, are you spending time in the Word? Are you praying? Are you, are you stepping into communal prayer opportunities? Are, are you serving the people that you can serve? Or are you spending more time on your hobbies? And there's nothing wrong with hobbies. But I'm going, man, if, if you look at the past three months, are, are you increasing or are you decreasing? My encouragement to you is, is increase in this season. I've been so encouraged. I'm, I'm teaching a grow class on Tuesday nights where we're studying through the book of Philippians. And, and every Tuesday night at 8 p.m., 30, 40, 50 people hop online. They have their scripture open. And you can just tell them all the things that they could be doing. And they're hungry for the Lord. And I'm just so encouraged. There's something about seeing someone increase when, this, when it's hard. That's beautiful. It lights something inside of you. You know, so some of you are spending time at home and you can increase in God at home. And some of you guys, you're, you're starting to live into the groups of 25 or more because our mayor said you can. And I really wanna encourage you as you're, as you're getting back together with your friends and families and neighbors, hey, don't just settle for hanging out. Like, like make the most of those moments with the Lord. Like share what's going on in your heart and pray and press into the Lord and don't just hit pause until we can get back to normal. Press in, increase, and do not decrease. And so what I want us to see this morning in Jeremiah chapter 29 is that the Lord shows up to his people when they're in the waiting and he says, hey, my plans are going on. So the Lord doesn't quit on his plans. The second thing that we see is that the Lord doesn't give up on his people. I love this in verses 10 and 11 is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and I'll fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Listen to this, this is what I want us to hear. This is the Lord speaking, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The Lord just reminded me this week that, that we can trust the Lord and we can trust in the Lord's character you know, my, my guess is that the enemy, you know, the, the book of Job calls Satan the accuser. Jesus himself calls um, the enemy in John chapter 8 the liar. He says that when he speaks, he speaks his native tongue, which is lying. 
And if I had to guess, because this has been true for me, it's probably true for you, that the enemy has been doing in my life and in your life what he's been doing from the very beginning, which is trying to make us doubt the character and the goodness of God. I wonder if, if the enemy has been trying to convince you that God's not actually out for your good in this season. You know, I was reminded of what, what the, the enemy showed up and he said to Adam and Eve that, that day in the garden. The Lord said, you can have the whole garden. You can eat anything you want, but there's this one tree, the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Don't eat from it. And the enemy shows up to, to Eve and says, hey, did the Lord really say you couldn't eat from this tree? And Eve said, no, we can eat from every tree. We just can't eat from this one because if we do, we're going to die. And the enemy says, oh, you're not going to die. And it's a voice of deception. It's, it's a lying tongue. The enemy does this with Jesus in the wilderness that he's fasting for 40 days and he shows up to Jesus and he says, hey, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to be rejected. You don't have to die. If you'll bow down to me, I'll give you everything that you want. I'll give you the kingdom that you really, the kingdom that you really want, that you're really after. And I go, the enemy from the very beginning has been trying to convince us that God is detached, that God is unconcerned, that our God is withholding good from us. And some of us have taken the bait in this season. You know, you've been listening to the lie that, man, hey, doesn't God know that you're lonely? Doesn't God care? Or, or doesn't God know that, that you do best when you're in routines? And, and, and you're, doesn't God know that you need to work? And the enemy's just been going at this. And the Lord is reminding me this week that what we need to do is to set aside all those voices in our head, the accusing and deceiving voices, and to let the words of the Lord fill our heads. To be reminded of the character of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, this is what it says. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously give us all things? And you need to know that our God is so in tune with you and our God is for you. You know, some of us though, we go through moments, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel like God's in tune with us. It doesn't, God, doesn't feel like God is for us. Some of you have felt this through COVID, right? You know, one of my good friends, part of our church family, she's been sick for literally the better part of three months. And I go, some of you, you've lost loved ones to, to COVID-19. And sometimes, man, it just doesn't feel like God is for us because we're, we're pressing in. It just doesn't seem to be playing out the way that we want. Or man, we, we feel it with COVID. We, we feel it in the brokenness in our world. We've got just this past week, another senseless, ruthless murder of, uh, of an African-American man, George Floyd. And I go, how long will this, this injustice persist? And it's breaking our hearts, seeing what, what, how people of different skin colors are being treated and it's being exposed right now for what it is. Doesn't always feel like God's in tune, right? Some of you really connect with that. Man, you've been walking through this for a long time doesn't always feel like God's in tune, that God's for you. Or you even think about last night and, and the chaos that ensued in our own city. Or what Jana talked about in the pre-worship time, how our brothers and sister in, in, in India, man, they've been impacted by COVID-19 on lockdown for 21 days. It's one of the poorest nations in the world, and, yet, and then they have the cyclone that comes through. And we go, God, do you really see us? Are you really with us? And Jeremiah chapter 29 is this anthem that we need to adopt, that God does not give up on his people. That our God does not give up on his people, that we can trust in the character of the Lord. You know, the context uh, of the chapter that he's writing here to, and this is so important, he's speaking to people who had been rebellious. He is not talking to righteous people who've been walking with the Lord. And that, I think that's so important because verse 29, verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's coming from a heart of a God 
looking at people who rebel, not people who've been walking in righteousness, and I go, man, that is a picture of the gospel in and of itself, that even in our rebellion, our God is working towards redemption. And you see it in Old Testament, you see it in the New Testament, and some of you, you need to be reminded of that personally. You know, some of you need to be reminded of that personally because you're kind of wallowing in shame right now because of, of, the, of the consequences and some of the, the sin of your own choices. And what you need to hear this morning is that our God is actually for you. That our God is, loves, he loves working for the redemption of, of rebellious people. And some of you this morning, you need to be reminded that, that, that the way back to God is through Jesus. That, his, that God has come through Jesus to forgive you and to save you and to draw him back to you. And it's nothing you can do. It's all he's done. This is 1 John verse 4, verse 10, or 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, where it says that this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You need to know that your God, that our God is for you, that he wants you. You know, some of you, you need to hear this personally, not because of your sin, but because you're scared right now. You need to know that God sees you, that God is for you. Man, you're scared because of someone else's choices. You're afraid and you're lonely. And I want you just to know that Jeremiah chapter 29 is this, this remark that God is not done with you, that God sees you. You know, we need to hear this personally, most definitely. We have to, the, the gospel has to start in individual hearts. But we also have to hear this communally, okay? And here's what I mean. Uh, because our God doesn't give up on people, we don't give up on people. Even the worst of people. So hear me in this. You, you have people in your life that want nothing to do with Jesus. Do not give up on them. Because God hasn't given up on them. You know, the nation of Israel spitting in God's face. No desire to live in a relationship with God, and God keeps pursuing. God keeps working for their good. We need to hear this communally. You know, I was thinking about for, for the man who killed George Floyd. Man, we, we do. We, we want justice, right? It's not right. It's not fair that, that you could take someone's life and then just go about your life like, like nothing happened. And I was reminded this week that that man needs justice, that, that all these cases of injustice, they need justice. But that man, you know what I also realized this week? That he needs Jesus. Because the reality is that you would never treat another human being like that if Jesus was really reigning in your heart. We need him communally. We, we, we think about the riots that broke out in our city last night and, and it started as a peaceful protest. And I actually get it, I understand it. Like, we, we don't want that to, to happen in our city. We don't want people of color to be fearful in our city. And so let's, let's talk about how we can protect our people of color and get rid of injustice and racism. We want all those things. And how this peaceful protest turned into this just, I don't know if you saw in the news, just this chaos last night. People walking through downtown, just breaking buildings, setting things on fire. And I was reminded that, that for those who vandalized and caused destruction, it's not okay. Like, it's not okay to destroy other people's property. Those people need to be held accountable for what they've done. But I also want to encourage those of us, man, um, who, who see all this happening. And, and let's be really slow to judge. And let's, 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 let's be reminded that, that we've gone through many moments in, in our lives where we've done things and we've said things that we look back on regret. And I was reminded that, that man, we need to be reminded that God doesn't give up on people communally. The third thing I want us to think about, so we talked about God doesn't give up on his plans. God doesn't give up on his people. And the third thing I want us to really, this for, to sink in this morning, is that what God longs to give us is God's presence. What God longs to give you is God's presence. Verse 13 and 14, listen to this. God says this, you will seek me and you will find me. 
when you seek me with all your heart. Listen to this, verse 14. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I was just asking myself this week, what does it look like to seek the Lord with all our heart? You know, you, you, you seek out, or you think about it in relationships, you, you seek someone out when there's an affection for them, when there's an appreciation for them, when there's something about them that you go, man, I want to be in relationship with them. This is how it was with, with my wife. You know, we were in college and we were part of this freshman orientation team together and, and my eyes started to open because I saw in her that she had this deep love for the Lord. She was so unbelievably thoughtful, and of course she was beautiful and fun to be around. And, and, and I realized, man, what was motivating me to, to seek her was this affection. And I go, what is it that, that moves us into this place of seeking God? So many of you right now, you're in this place of apathy. You're in this place where you just don't really want to exert any effort to seek the Lord. And I go, what is it that motivates you into this place of seeking the Lord? And this is what it is. When you understand what Christ has done for you, that our God left the comfort of heaven, the place of privilege, the place of worship, and he came into this world. He was born into a poor family. He was born in a stable, not even into a baby's bed. He lived his life hidden for 30 years. In the last three years of his life, his, his ministry was marked by so much of, of people resisting him and, and, and closing their ears, and yet he, he persevered, and he died on a cross for our sins, and he rose from the dead, and he appeared to his disciples and he ascended to heaven, and he's coming back for us. And you need to know this. He's coming back for us because he actually delights in us. That he's not coming back for us to look because he, he needs people to serve him. That's so different about other world religions, that, that, that we exist to, to serve the gods, to do things that they don't want. No, we don't serve our God because he needs us to serve. He doesn't need anything from us. Our God delights in us as his children. And you need to know that. Some of you are living in this orphan spirit. You're going around living life by yourself, and God says, I desire to know you. I delight in you. God delights in your personality. Even though you might be driving your roommates crazy and your family crazy, God loves the, the wiring in your heart. He made you in your mother's womb. And God is coming back for you because he wants to spend eternity with you. And so what it looks like for us to seek the Lord. Man, you go all in with the Lord. You go all in with the Lord. Not just to get something from the Lord, but to get the Lord. Right, how often, how easy it is to seek the Lord because, man, we, we turn to the Lord and we pray when, when we need something. Or we, or we, or we step into to house church or to prayer gathering when there's something going wrong in our life and then when it's fixed, we just kind of go back our own way. And, and the, the idea of seeking the Lord with our whole heart is that we go all in with the Lord to get the Lord. And that's where the sweet stuff is because you find that we have a God that actually loves to give you things. And he loves to take care of you. But, but you never go to the Lord just asking for the handouts. You go to the Lord to get his heart. And he takes care of you. And I want to encourage you. Hey, let's, let's not be a people who seek the Lord in pretense. Right? We live in the South, and it's so easy to, to do things for appearance sake. We do things because we want other people to think certain things about us. And I go, man, don't seek the Lord for any other reason than to get the Lord. And what happens when you seek the Lord to get the Lord is that you actually get the Lord that you get the, the God of the heavens who speaks to you, who encourages you, who comforts you, who holds you up, who's with you in, in the hard stuff and in the good stuff of God, who lavishes his love and his goodness and his peace on you so that when the world is crumbling, God is pouring out his peace on us and we look so different. This is what is offering on the table. God with you, God for you. He's with you. And some of you, man, you keep rejecting God because you think he's come to oppress and the actual truth is that he's come to set you free. And freedom's only found when you submit your life to him. 
when you come under his teachings, when you receive the gospel, when you live by faith that I'm gonna trust in a God that I can't see. God is with you. One of the most tangible examples of this in my life, I think when I was in fifth grade, you know, I, was, I discovered early on that I wanted to preach the word. I wanted to be in ministry. So I got this opportunity to preach at my church. And, and I remember every Sunday afternoon, my mom and I would go up to her office in my house and she would help me write my sermon. Like, and this went on for years that, that we'd bounce, I'd bounce ideas off of her and she'd give me insight and we'd talk and, and we'd process things. And I look back and I go, man, my early years of preaching, it's like my mom was helping me do all that. And I go, I want you to think about this. This is the, the picture of our God, that he's with you in your life. He's with you in your parenting and you don't know what to do. God has wisdom, God has strength, God has patience. He's with you in that frustrating relationship. He's with you, he's with you in your business decisions. When you don't know what to do, he's with you, he's for you. You need to know that our God has come to bless you immensely, to fill your life with peace and joy. But you have to make the choice. <laughs> do you wanna be like the Israelites? Do you wanna keep going to the same old things, looking for, for comfort and worth, or do you wanna to come to the Lord where it, actually, where it actually comes? And so this morning, I wanna encourage you this week. I wanna give you a challenge. It's like, well, what does it look like to seek the Lord? I wanna encourage you to seek the Lord in prayer in three different ways. The first is this. I wanna encourage you to come to prayer gathering tonight. Every Sunday night, 7 p.m., a time of communal prayer. You know, there, there are 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 people that come to prayer gathering. Man, I would, I would love for there to be a day where, where the majority of our church is at prayer gathering, not the minority. And I know some of you guys, you have to work. There, there, you know, there, there are things that are going on on Sunday night. Some of you have kids and it's bedtime. I understand it. But I go, man, can, can, we, can we just try to, to take a step in this direction? and to give prayer gathering a chance, right? Where, and, and maybe you'll come tonight and it just doesn't like um, thrill you, it's not everything you hoped. I go, man, stay in it, push through. <laughs> there were about two years, and I'm telling you this as a confession, I didn't wanna go to prayer gathering. Like, I'd be done with church and all I wanted to do was go home. And two years of pressing through, and now I'm just like, man, I, I, I can't wait to be there. God meets you there. If you seek him, you'll find him. I invite you to come to prayer gathering. Same thing I invite you to do, this is gonna feel a little weird, I think it's gonna be really powerful. I encourage you to, to reach out to someone who's further down the path than you in their spiritual walk and just ask them to pray for you this week. And here's what I want you to say to them. Hey, don't just pray a 30 second, one minute prayer. I want the good stuff. <laughs> like literally set aside, tell them, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for, for me for 10 or 15 minutes and just receive that. I want you as they're praying to listen to the things that they're praying for to listen to the way that an older sister or older brother will pray for you, the things that they've learned that are important, the things that matter. And then I want you, so go to prayer gathering, come to prayer gathering, reach out to someone, have them pray for you. And the third thing, take the things that you learn in prayer to the private places. So, so much of my prayer life, I've just gleaned from listening to people who have a, deep, a deeper connection with the Lord. And I'm like, I've never even thought about that before. Take that to the private places with God. And so this week, man, my challenge to you is, will you seek the Lord? Because if you seek him, you'll find him. Our God is a God who doesn't give up on his plan. He doesn't give up on his people. And what he longs to give us his presence, he will give his presence every time. If we come to him and say, God, will you give it? So this morning, we're about to take communion. We're gonna take the piece of bread. We're gonna take a cup of juice or wine. And we're gonna remember Jesus Christ, that he lived on this world, on this earth, and that he's coming back one day. We're gonna celebrate the fact that he died for our sins. And so we, we receive that. Some of you need to just be reminded as you eat the bread, drink the cup, you're forgiven of your sins. Some of you this morning, you take it, you need to be reminded that God's with you in the suffering, that he sees you. 
And as we get done with communion, I wanna encourage you, you know, maybe after we get done worshiping, to, to wrestle with this question, to, to, to talk through it with your family, your house church, whoever it is that you're with this morning. And this is a communion question I want you to wrestle with. Where do you sense the Lord is inviting you to press in as this season persists? Maybe you've, been hitting, maybe you've been hitting pause. Is he inviting you to press in personally? Is he inviting you to press in communally? What does it look like for you to press in? We know our God is for us, that he's working for our good, but we have to make the choice to partner with him. I'm gonna pray for us and let you take communion. I'm so thankful that you joined us this morning. So let's pray. And so God, I, I pray and I ask that the words that were from you will stick. And any words from you that were any words that were not from you would fall. And I pray, God, that, that your spirit would fall. That you would fill us afresh. That the way the spirit fell in, in Acts 2 and the day of Pentecost, here we are 50 days later, we ask that your spirit would fall on us. God, we ask that you would help us to love you with our whole heart. God, we want to love you with our whole heart. We so often turn to our hobbies and we turn to relationships and we turn to things and we take our eyes off of you. Would you show us how to give you our best? God, would you help us? God, would you strengthen us? Would you help the gospel to make sense that, that Christ died, that Christ is coming back? Help that to mean something in our hearts. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning that are watching that don't know you. Would you draw them to you? Would it be undeniable that you are calling them to give their lives to you in baptism, to be filled with the Spirit? God, would you speak to them through people, through the Scriptures, speak to them through dreams and visions? God, I'm asking that your pursuit would be relentless this week, that, that this week would be marked by many, many, many people coming to know you to give their lives. I pray that we get to see on Instagram pictures of people getting baptized in their pools and baptized in hot tubs and baptized in baths. God, that people come to know you. And so God, we're just asking that in the midst of the chaos and the brokenness in our world, would you establish your kingdom? Would you bring your reign on earth as it is in heaven? We love you, Jesus. In your wonderful and precious name we pray. All glory and all honor and all praise to you, our God. In your name we pray. Amen.